and welcome to the newest episode of the Streaming Heap. We are broadcast live into your brains from your nearest Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> Please don't shoot <laughs> us with a shotgun. They <laughs> don't reach that is, far. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Lin, and as always, I'll be your host. Apparently, I forgot the word host there for a minute, which makes me a great host. Uh, <laughs> and I am and Eric. I will be your parasite. <laughs> <laughs> we already made that joke last week. <laughs> you have to give it at least a few weeks before we reuse the same joke. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm a dad. What can I do? <laughs> this isn't Jimmy Kimmel, damn it. <laughs> um. I imagine if it were Jimmy Kimmel, we'll be banging the table a lot more, which is not advisable in a podcast. No, <laughs> How are you this week, Eric? I'm doing pretty good. I don't How's know. How's that balloon flying over your house? <laughs> I I am really amazed that none of my neighbors took a shot at it here in St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> um I hope people know what we're talking about. I'm always referencing things that are like <laughs> I I don't know whether like it is real news that everybody know or if it's just something that's big on Twitter. I can never tell the distinction. <laughs> I feel like this one's actually big news, like because I know about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I suppose we should just get into the this business of the podcasting instead of treating this like a personal call between us. Uh, <laughs> this is a podcast? People listen to this? <laughs> a surprising amount of people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Leave a review. <laughs> Five stars, preferred. preferred. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A platform of your choice. Um, and especially Apple Podcasts, because it really helped us with discovery. And this week, of course, we'll be continuing on with our coverage of peripheral. Peripheral. Uh, we're doing episode four today. I almost said dose. That's not four. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> dose. Dose. <laughs> um, and but before that, as always, we're going to be discussing things we've been watching, slash playing, slash listening, whatever we want for a little while. Okay, you can skip ahead to our coverage of the episode if you want the time codes will be in the description below all right eric i watched a great movie that i've been threatening to watch for a while but i couldn't before because it wasn't out um <laughs> shotgun <laughs> shotgun wedding <laughs> okay so, uh, so what is this i don't even know what this is oh did, have you not seen the trailer for this nope Okay, if you haven't seen the trailer for this, this applies to all our listeners as well. If what I'm about to say appeal to you, don't watch the trailer. Like the trailer, it's like it's kind of ruined all the best moments without contest. Just go watch the movie. It's one of those mid levels uh, comedies that are. There were a lot of them around like early two thousands, but then uh, the new super blockbusters killed it. Uh, it. It's like that level of comedy, right? It's essentially like um, J-Lo and Josh Duhamel's characters are trying to get married on an island, like, island in the Philippines, and their wedding get crashed by pirates. Okay. Like it's, it's basically like that kind of setup, but a comedy, right? It's like diehard comedy, but... Most <laughs> <laughs> uh, of the joke is like Josh Duhamel and J-Lo just like brutally killing people. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, that's the that's like the elevator pitch, right? But basically, like 
it's the your normal like uh you know uh, romantic comedy like families are difficult setup right uh, uh Lo's parents are divorced uh Josh Demel uh, parents seems to be like superly uh over the top friendly and happy <laughs> but you know <laughs> Perhaps not very bright, and not very worldly, um, and uh, in a little twist, uh, Josh Demel is the groomzilla. J Lo just kind of want to like get eloped, um, and right before their wedding, they essentially just call it off. Like uh, <laughs> uh, they they get enough of it and call it off, which you know, normal good people call off weddings all the time. It happens, right, <laughs> Eric? No, I've never heard of that ever happening to anybody. That would be really weird. You'd have to be like a terrible, terrible person to have your wedding. Shut your up. <laughs> I don't know if I want to leave this. In. <laughs> well, you're not the one editing it. <laughs> um, anyway, but um, none of the guests know they 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 just got a fight and they like called it off and then they their uh, wedding get uh, invaded by pirates who just uh, hold that hot uh, J Lo's dad who's very rich hostage and start demanding money, but. The bride and the groom wasn't there because they're late to their own wedding. So the pirates start hunting down the bride and the groom, and hilarity ensues. Of course, this is not a great movie. <laughs> is it that like predictable character arc where it's like in the beginning they don't want to get married, but by the end they find reasons to? It is predictable, but I like, I like, I like the arc. Like they do. I mean, it it's well. a comedy. Comedies usually yeah. are predictable, and that's fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, it is, yeah, it is that predictable arc, but uh, it, it's it's more like they don't. Uh, it's more that they admit their faults instead of like they they finding that they do want to get married. Like they always wanted to get married, right? Like right. They realize that the calling off is the the stupid stress of the wedding thing that they did. Um, but it's um, I enjoyed it a lot. I mostly because the chemistry between J Lo and uh, Josh Duhamel. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Dumel? Dumel? I have no idea, but it's too late to change now. I'm not going back and editing all that. <laughs> I don't know. Let me look it up. No, it's Dumel. Josh Dumel. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's their chemistry mostly carry the movie, and uh, they make all the jokes uh, that even. That's even pretty stupid on paper, like JLo having to hold a grenade when the pin has come out of for like <laughs> 10 minutes because, <laughs> because Josh Demel doesn't trust her throw enough to go far enough. <laughs> Anybody can throw a grenade far enough to not get splashed by it. Like <laughs> the, the gr- grenade's blasting blast blasting zone is not that big. <laughs> as and they're not very heavy. heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you want a little bit of half to throw it far, right? If it's too light, you can't throw it that far. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not like paper, but <laughs> but it's not like trying to throw a shot put or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, one of the breakout stars is definitely Jennifer Coolidge, which who you might remember as Stifler's mom. The origin <laughs> of MILF, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, she has uh, digivolved into a gilf. I'm uh, <laughs> pretty <laughs> Uh, sometimes, sometimes I regret the things uh, I say immediately after I say it, Eric. <laughs> uh, but um, she's 
I'd like to think the pitch uh, meeting for this movie went Jennifer Coolidge shooting a submachine gun in slow motion. Hey, that's all worked, I need to know, yeah. <laughs> they just worked backwards to create a situation in which how they can manufacture that. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, the movie isn't great, but uh, I missed this kind of mid-level comedy movie, and it was, I don't know, it hit the spot uh, when I watched it. So your mileage may vary. Like, none of the jokes are exceptional or anything, but like I said, the two leads carry it. And and by the way, Josh Duhamel, you might remember him as the only functional adult from the Transformer movies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to forget that. <laughs> he he plays like a uh, baseball star who's just been cut. Um, I see his name is Tom Fowler. I know he's a baseball star and not a football star, but I. I don't know. Like, I think at least some of the jokes are supposed to do Tom Brady parallels, or maybe I'm just being paranoid because I'm a Patriot fan. Um, <laughs> Got Tom Brady on your brain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, good luck on your retirement for the second time. Goodbye, sweet prince. <laughs> Please don't come back <laughs> unless it's to play on the Patriots again. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, oh, and also, JLo is. 54. She does not look it. Jotto Mel is 51. He does not look it. Okay, that's a surprise. I, I knew JLo yeah. was getting up there, but I didn't know he was that old. Uh, oh, they show off JLo's body in some parts. They, you know, in the typical that's uh, why you hire JLo comedy. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it. I want to, you know, give them kudos for uh, hiring two similar age actors for this rom-com. You know, if it was like 10, 15 years ago, it would have been like Josh Duhamel and like, I don't know, Anya Taylor-Joy right, or somebody, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that can get and, really distracting. You think about it too much and it just makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, you know, like uh, older actors uh, get to play uh, with appropriate age partners <laughs> on screen now. <laughs> And to quote uh, the guy who played Maurice Moss from IT Crowd, I forgot his name. Um, Thanks for broadening the range of objectification. (laughs) (laughs) That's what true equality is. (laughs) (laughs) Old or young, now we can objectify you. Thin or fat. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, the movie isn't the best. Um, my main complaint is I know there's a weird thing to say about a comedy, but I feel like there's more jokes on it <laughs> that they didn't hit. <laughs> that they didn't, there's like more potential for jokes. And you know how movies like this at the end they always revisit all the subplots for like a final uh cap of joke, you know, right, like right. an epilogue joke. Yeah. Um they didn't do that in this movie, and that kind of left me hanging. I'm like, I want to know what happened with the best man and the sister, <laughs> <laughs> the two creeps, you know, um, that that kind of thing. Um, and also, there's two twists. Is being a bit too kind, calling it twists um, about <laughs> you know villain revelations and stuff. Which, to be fair, they don't belabor it, but they can't belabor it either. It's pretty obvious <laughs> where <laughs> what was coming. I, I didn't like them. Um, the the girl who played Janet in Good the Good Place, um, not a robot, not a girl. That Janet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? I can't um, she, tell you. She's in it, but she's great in it. But I didn't like the reveal, the reveals. 
I found it a lot funnier when the main villain is just a pirate captain who seems to be reasonable and competent and really just trying to get through this uh, <laughs> piracy without a lot of bloodshed. Like he, he, like he, he's holding hostages, but he's not like keen to really murder anybody. And then, um, it's the dynamic was like this really professional pirate is just trying to do a good, well-run piracy, and J-Lo and George Duhamel character is just going around murdering everybody. <laughs> that would have been just the funnier. That would have been funnier. Like it, it kind of is that, but then the kind of like secret villain revelations kind of ruin the dynamic. Okay, but if you're if you're up for a mid-level comedy, go check it out. All right, this week you actually did watch something. I did. I watched uh, 1899. Um, a little behind the scenes before we decided to do the peripheral, we had a choice between the peripheral and 1899. Um, and I can pronounce 1899. That's true. <laughs> but I will say now that I have watched the first season of 1899, we picked the right show. And not just because 1899 got Netflixed and got canceled after one season. Um, but like... It's not a bad show, and I did like it. I did enjoy it, but it's not a lot of fun. And I feel like if we had done this episode by episode breakdown for the first two episodes, we wouldn't have had a lot to say because the first couple episodes, it's, you know, I love Lost. And this show is trying really hard <laughs> to be Lost, but it's all the oh, worst okay. things about Lost. <laughs> ah, so it's mostly trying to traffic on vibes. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of traffic on vibes, a lot of people just being cryptic and like not explaining things for no reason. Um, they get around it a little bit by everybody by being like a multilingual international cast and not everybody speaks the same language. Like, that's fine. But it gets really tiresome after a while of just like people not trying to communicate and not trying to explain things to each other. Um and the first few episodes are definitely the worst. It does get better as it goes. Um, and as the mystery starts to unfold, the problem is, is that for the first couple episodes, you you focus on probably the worst characters. Like the main character of the show is the worst character in the entire show. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> well, as like, like you just, just the like least interesting. Like we don't oh, really okay. give a shit about her. So and it's, we're not, it's not good writing. Not it's not good writing. It. And yeah, we're not, okay. I mean, she's a great actress. Like she, I don't remember her name, but she does a really good job with the role, but it's just poorly written. And there's not a lot of reasons to care about what she's doing. Um, because she's got all this needlessly uh, mysterious background and it never goes anywhere with that. And I don't know that one doesn't, that doesn't work. But like after a couple episodes, you start meeting some of the other characters and you start learning some of the other characters backstories. Cause just like lost every episode kind of focuses on one character a little bit. Um, and the other characters are way more interesting. Um, you've got this like Japanese uh prostitute basically who's you find out is actually the sister of the real prostitute who accidentally killed her sister and has took taken her place and there's some cool that is very lost it's extremely lost like the show is trying <laughs> so hard to be lost <laughs> and okay the the basic plot is that it's 1899 obviously and they're on a cruise ship like a trans uh going across the atlantic ocean from you know europe to america oh, yeah. um and halfway through they, they they hear a signal from another cruise ship that was lost about a month earlier in the same spot and it's like their sister ship or whatever and they go to investigate they find the ships there but it's completely empty and it looks like it's been there for years um and then eventually they do find like one survivor and it's this little kid this little boy who doesn't say anything um and like you know it's interesting and it's moody but it's 
it's just exhausting. <laughs> um, so you finished it, have you? I did. I finished it. And honestly, like, I know it got canceled after one season. And I know that there are people who are mad about that, but I actually think the ending works like really well. I think it's fine as an ending to this story. Oh, okay. Um, so you they, recommend people go watch it? Like it doesn't end on like a cliffhanger? It kind of is a cliffhanger, but it's it's like a it's like a good I don't know how to explain it. Like um like a good horror story when it wraps up at the end and then there's like that one last little twist at the end that you're not really sure kind of sets you off that that's kind of how this show ends um they could have kept going with another season and it probably would have sucked honestly i don't want to spoil the ending to explain why but if they had continued it it probably not wouldn't have been very good um but where it ends was it a polar bear? There, was were, a big, there, were, there were no polar bears. Okay. <laughs> but there was kind of a smoke monster. Kind of. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Damn that smoke monster. Um, I will say it does have one thing over on Lost in that it does feel like it's the writers. Ship. It does feel like the writers know where they were going. Like it does feel like oh. they had a plan. Like, you know. You get I mean, to the it's last only season. one season. True, it's only one season. But like a lot of the the mysteries and a lot of the weirdnesses of the first few episodes actually do get explained by the end. Um, not Fair everything enough. makes perfect sense, but it's enough that you can buy it. That they they knew going into the first episode how it was going to end. Like the first season was going to end. Um, and so that's good. And it is a good show. I do like it. I did enjoy it. It's just okay. It's not great. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Okay, well, I want to ask you this. You don't necessarily have to answer. Is it actually supernatural, or is it the the real monster is man? Uh, it's really hard to answer that without spoiling it. Um, but I will say it's more okay. sci-fi than you think. Ah, okay, okay. Like the okay. last episode is very sci-fi. Like it no longer feels like a moody period piece. It's like all in sci-fi. And at no oh, point okay. is this ever actually about the Bermuda Triangle, because I was worried about that. I hate stories about the Bermuda Triangle, because that's nonsense. <laughs> except for the movie, <laughs> except for the movie Triangle, which is actually really, really good. <laughs> I mean, those sentences you said is like, <laughs> I, hate the movie, so I hate things about the Bermuda Triangle because it's nonsense. Yeah, it is nonsense in real life, but in movies, <laughs> it's just fiction. <laughs> True, I know. <laughs> I'd like say, I hate movies about the, the Loch Ness Monster because I know that shit ain't real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's, there's, there's a, there's a line you, you can yeah. draw. Like, yeah. you can have... A movie set on Mars that has like weird alien artifacts. But the second you put the face of Mars on there, I'm done. I can't deal with it anymore. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah, fair. I got I understand what you mean now. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree, but I understand. <laughs> and if well, you're gonna do something like that, make it a comedy, like Harry and the Henderson's best Bigfoot movie ever. Have not seen it. <laughs> How can you oh my god, now we are gonna fight. <laughs> Look, just schedule it into after the podcast, okay? <laughs> uh, because now I want to talk about another show I've been watching. Oh, okay. Called Lockwood and Co. Every time I see the name Lockwood, I've got a road down here called Lockwood. I just think of um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Flint Lockwood! Because my son watched <laughs> that movie like a million times as a kid, so... <laughs> it's a great movie. It's a great movie. I love it, but yeah. I have it memorized. <laughs> uh, my, my favorite uh, line is at the beginning, that, le- that day I learned a heavy lesson. You can't run away from your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Always makes me laugh. I don't know why. Um, to this day, every time that I give my son a cheeseburger, it's cheeseburger. 
wow, that movie has really corrupted. Oh, it totally. Yeah, it's that in Wreck It Ralph. I mean, <laughs> I've seen okay. them way too many times. <laughs> I much rather Cloudy instead of Wreck It Ralph, though. I think Wreck It Ralph didn't like Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs was still funny after watching it a hundred times. Wreck It Ralph yeah. stopped being funny after about ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's essentially. Uh, uh, Ready Player One, but for kids. <laughs> it's better than Ready Player One, I'll say that. <laughs> this is true. All right, let's get back to track to talk about Lockwood and Co., which, you know, sometimes uh, you get this, like, even uh, especially rare for people like us, and it's more, more pleasant when it happens, because we're very online with new shows and, you know, keep... Uh, keep uh, looking up stuff and we're in the tv and movie zeitgeist um when a show come out of nowhere to surprise you and lockwood and co is one of those like i didn't know anything about this until i saw a trailer just on netflix and i'm like yeah that looked interesting whatever like um (laughs) english ghostbusters i guess (laughs) um for teen with teenagers and uh i was like I'll check it out when it came out, and it came out last week, and I binged the whole show in two nights. It's really good. I, it's giving me like uh, old school, uh, Buffy vibes as well as like um, why like it's based on a series of YA books. Uh, I've since found out that, but it gives a vibe of like uh, when YA books adaptations used to be earnest. Oh like, yeah. Say whatever you want to say about Hunger Games, which I don't have a lot of good things to say. But the, <laughs> the one thing I'll say is like it's completely earnest. Like it takes the premise um, seriously and it wants to do it justice. And uh, it doesn't feel like a cheap cash grab, except the fact that they broke up the last book into two to make more money. <laughs> uh, but and you know, but the later ones that follows it, like things like Maze Runner and Divergent, it, it just felt cheap and without soul, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> this, I think I've watched one... like 10 minutes of Divergent and I couldn't, I couldn't keep going. <laughs> yeah, that one is especially rough, I think. <laughs> Um, I I haven't seen the whole thing either, uh, but this one is pretty good. Uh, like I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, so the premise is, at some point in our history, uh, ghosts just started coming back. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> uh, uh, suddenly there are ghosts, and they would they just killing people. Like ghost touch is a thing where like a ghost like I, they are a little bit vague about it. I don't know if it happened as soon as they touch you or if like if they have to actually attack you properly, but they can like straight up kill people. They they burn people out, like uh like from like the inside. Uh cool. and and like at nighttime, a lot of ghosts are just coming back. It's not like an isolated incident, like like to a point where like they a lot of people are dying, like like millions of people died off. So it's like a plague of ghosts. <laughs> it is a plague of ghosts. Uh they <laughs> called cool. it the they call it the problem <laughs> in, a, in a very mm. like it's a very British thing to call it. Like it I love is. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the blitz. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it just sounds fun. <laughs> Interesting. It's just uh, the problem. And then they start classifying the ghosts and then they start like researching things um to fight it. And then the your um 
superstitions and stuff from myths and legends turned out to be the things that are actually effective against ghosts, you know, like iron, silver, salt, that kind of thing. And then it turns out that kids can sense them. Um, so basically, we're like 50 years later, and all of this is background information you find out slowly. Uh, if there's anything this move, this show could have done a little bit better, it is put some expositions at the front. All I can say is watch the opening um, title sequence uh, closely, so because it give away they just they dumped all the exposition into the opening titles. They're like, watch this. <laughs> they will sum up what happened. <laughs> Uh, and it's just music and like newspaper clippings. <laughs> so you kind of do really have to watch it closely because they're not going to explain it again in the show. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, like it's like 50 years later. Essentially, like they have these squads of kids. Like kids start from like uh, um, 13, uh, either 11 or 13, I can't remember, to to actually go into like ghost hunting business because uh, kids can either like, they have different range of activities. Um, not all kids, but gift only kids are gifted, but not all kids are gifted. Well, child labor uh, is very British, yeah. Right. And they <laughs> like it is very Dickensian in that way. Like it's like in the first episode, you find that like uh, the main character's mom essentially like sold her off into this work um because you know she just wants her to make money for her. Right. Um like it is it is very like Dickensians and can't trust the adults uh vibe to it. Um but yeah, like so these squads of kids who have powers like the sight or listening or the touch, like some see death echoes. Um some can feel um some can touch objects and feel them, but most of pretty much all of them can see ghosts, whereas adults can't see them anymore. Um, they can still get killed. They can't really see them anymore <laughs> properly. Uh, and those rules are also a little bit vague. I bet it's explained a little bit more in the uh, books. But it uh, follows like three kids who are trying to run their own agency without exploitation from the adults. And it's about cases they go to. And it's like, it's fun. It's interesting. Uh, it's punkish in the way that the the main message is essentially like kids uh the, the next generation is being exploited by the old generation who want to maintain the status quo who just want to ignore problems the poor wants to ignore problems um and just uh, uh you know use kids as cannon fodder to escape the horrors of reality the rich are rich enough to exploit them systematically and enjoy the fruit of this <laughs> this awful setup so well that but, sounds totally unlike reality yes <laughs> <laughs> but instead of like, misfits instead of it, not like being like very irreverent about it this is very earnest takes it seriously the kids problems are real like they they're dealing with real things like oh we have overheads on this business you know <laughs> like uh and we have this unfair fine from the um uh, from the government that we have to pay that kind of stuff and the mytho is very interesting and obviously the uh there's a conspiracy right everything we know about the problem might not be true of course <laughs> right yeah, yeah makes sense there might be more to it than that um so the first season cover two of the five books so the series is concluded now apparently okay and well that's good it 
the first season wrap up the internal mysteries, like the case they're solving in that season completely. But there's clearly an overarching things that's happening that there's more to it. And um, the, it does come in, it does end in a cliffhanger of something you're waiting for a reveal. Um, and r- right before they reveal it, it ends. But um, I can recommend this show unequivocally because even if you get Netflix, there are five books. And <laughs> you can just read them, yeah. <laughs> you can just read the other three books. <laughs> it seems, I looked it up, it seems it uh, follow the first two books very closely. So you can just go read the books. <laughs> um, well, that sounds fun. I mean, wait, no, that sounds like nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really, it's, I, I got hooked. Like it, it's not. It sounds really like something sc- you would like. Yeah, yeah. It's not really scary, but like it does do tense situation and like thriller situation pretty well. Um, and just when uh, you start to ask questions, they answer them. Like uh, at some point, I was like, "Why doesn't anybody just use guns at this <laughs> at some points?" Um, and then somebody pulled out a gun and shoot somebody. I'm like, oh, "Okay, all right, I'll accept that." <laughs> Um, like the writer had the same thought like wait a minute they don't use guns uh have somebody use a gun right now <laughs> <laughs> but the vibes are really good like um you know how for the first three harry potter movies like it's all very weird and um they all just wear robes and it doesn't feel grounded and then suddenly the prisoner of azkaban came out and uh, the new director clearly Alfonso had a better, Quran. yeah. <laughs> Alfonso Quran clearly had a better uh, wardrobe designer, and the kids are like, <clears throat> they they blend real world clothes into all the um, dressings of uh, Hogwarts and magical community, and suddenly right. it feel real. It felt grounded. This show is really good at that because. The ghost hunter kids on paper, what they wear is ridiculous. Like they, <laughs> they, they like ro- walking around with rapiers and like uh, bombs made out of like glass and metal vials and stuff. But they blend everyday clothes and like actual proper like CDCC looking uniforms that cops wear and stuff so well that it really worked. Like um, sometimes when you, if you look at a screenshot of this, you're like, huh, what is this show? They have some cops, some <laughs> cosplayers, and some people who are about to go to fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a ghost in the background. But in the show, it just works. It blends together pretty well. You see, in uh, my head canon, just from you describing it, I feel like it should have been steampunk or something. <laughs> some of the tech they use are a bit steampunk. And it's... It feels like it's set in modern time, but they try to, like, British shows are pretty good at doing this. They try to keep it pretty timeless. Yeah. Like, uh, but if you pay attention, like, it's modern cars, like, modern text, right? But nobody is, like, rocking an iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) They're not tracking ghosts with Twitter, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) But yeah, it's pretty good. I might actually read the rest of the books because I don't think I want to wait until <laughs> uh, wait on the whims of Netflix to find out what really happens in the rest of the show. If there's any listeners out there who want to do something for me, could you like make a list of all the books that Lynn says he's going to read in these episodes? <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Because <laughs> you're sudden the inevitable betrayal. <laughs> Um, just to piss you off, this is going to be the only one I read. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it does like it does keep me uh, put me in like a weird position though because i'm like do i read the first two books is it different enough or can i just go into the third books because i just want to know what happened next <laughs> <laughs> um who, but who knows maybe the books are terrible i haven't read the books maybe they just do a really good job of adapting terrible books i don't know <laughs> yeah i didn't uh, actually but... start reading harry potter until after the third movie and i actually like started with book four and then went from there and then I went back and reread the first three, like read them for the first time. Um, and I'm really glad I did it the way I did, because the first couple of books actually aren't that well written, in my opinion. <laughs> it's like J.K. Rowling was just getting started. And he was just finding your feet. Um, I would say the first few books are very well written and the last few books are very well written. <laughs> that's also true. Yeah. But I really like like four and five are probably my favorite of the whole series. Yeah. Goblet yeah. of Fire and, um, you know. The yeah. fifth one, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame nobody wrote Harry Potter. It just sprung into existence from out of nowhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this show, go check it out. The main three characters, really, uh, the actors are good. The chemistry carries it. One of the characters on paper, he should be annoying. Like He's clearly a little bit, they clearly wrote him to be like, maybe a bit on the spectrum maybe it's just social awkwardness right and uh, like he's like they make a point that he has no social skills but he's all he's like they, they do it well like he clearly care for his friends and he just don't have the emotional uh bandwidth to actually uh communicate with people in the right way that kind of thing you know right. and they also do the main character well in that, like, hey, he's a bit of a dick, but he's lovable. <laughs> a lot of a lot of shows don't get it right. They make them too much of a dick, and then you're like, why do you even like that guy? Or like, they make him like just a, a good guy, but wear leather jacket and smokes a lot and swears <laughs> a lot. Be like, he's a dick. I'm like, no, he isn't. He's nice. He's not. He's not. He's done everything right. He's just a bit rough. Won't say stop saying fuck. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I'm edgy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I am just describing like Ali, Buffy, Spike. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so let's take a little break. Um, now that we have a very bloated what we've been watching session. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to talk about peripheral episodes. Peripheral. Yeah. yeah. Before we go straight into the peripheral episode four, I just want to, uh, I don't know what you did during your break. Uh, it was on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> of course you were. You live there. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I live in my yeah. head, man. <laughs> you can quit um, anytime you want, right? I can quit anytime you want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, this tweet about Firestarter, I wanted to read out uh, by one Alex Navarro. I think the ideal adaptation of this story is an incredible Hulk style, uh, incredible Hulk type deal where the dead and the girl walk from town to town, solving people's problems by setting someone on fire every week. <laughs> 
And I've never wanted a show from an elevator pitch so bad as that. <laughs> That's what, excellent. <laughs> what kind of issues are you facing in this town, and how can we help by setting something on fire? <laughs> fire cures everything. <laughs> um. Anyway, I suppose we should get to talking about peripheral. Before we go into stories, Lynn, um, what did you think of this episode? Oh, this episode was the best. Oh, no. you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. For a second there, I thought, I thought this was going to be a very combative episode. Yeah, because this is a bit of a filler episode. Yeah, I don't like I don't like the term filler episode, but yeah. if you're going to use it, this is an episode to use it on. It really feels yeah. like a lot of treading in place, a lot of a lot of exposition dumps just to get you to the next episode. Um, yep. And we'll talk about it. Some of those exposition dumps are really sloppy, in my opinion. Um, yes. And also, and... this is the first time I've ever felt in this show. I think some of the budget used in this show is not good. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, I always watch these twice. And the second time I watched this episode, I think I spent more time on my phone than actually watching it. So... <laughs> Ah, yeah. It's mostly because I kept sending you links from Twitter. <laughs> yes, I'm always checking Lynn's, Lynn's Twitter. That's my dirty little secret. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to check them. I send the best one. By the best one, I mean like the most awful ones straight to you. <laughs> you you <laughs> only have text. to send them in one way. You don't have to like text me and call me and put me on Facebook Messenger <laughs> and tag me. You, you can just, just one is fine, Lynn. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's start with the recap of this episode first. Don your storyteller cap. Okay, so on this week's episode of Everyone Suddenly Want to Fuck Wolf for some reason, <laughs> we begin with a pointless flashback to Wolf and Alita getting grabbed by high-tech child snatches. Definitely don't you need to use that kind of mirage to steal children. I think it's children. a lot easier Trust to kid get kidnapped children, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not speaking from experience, just saying. <laughs> how's, your, how's your unmarked van going? <laughs> it's not unmarked. It says free candy on the side. <laughs> Back in the future, Lev isn't happy that Alita still isn't found, but they keep drawing too much attention, as you often do when you keep killing people. <laughs> um, in 2035... Flynn is feeling the after effects of gaming that Fox News always warned us about. <laughs> Damn, Damn that take... Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that uh, totally fuckable aliens. <laughs> uh, which is actually the name of my uh, trivia team. That we, we, we play pop culture <laughs> trivia at a pub every week, and our team name is Totally Fuckable Aliens. Shout out to Mass Effect. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. And if, you, if the first Mass Effect was too risque, they, they introduced you to Miranda in the second one. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they introduced you to Miranda's ass. Miranda is just yes. an afterthought. <laughs> uh, in 2035, oh, sorry, I already said that. Um, so, so Burton is feeling the after effects, right? No, Flynn uh, is feeling the after effects. Uh, I really, I really threw you off, didn't I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't think of anything except Miranda's ass. <laughs> Okay, getting back on track. So Flynn is feeling the after effects. Uh, so Burton take her to the doctor, who was confused as to why they're so cagey about continuing to play this grand mal seizure, the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Cherise in the future rebuilt Danielle in quiet form and seems to be a lot nicer to it than she was to the real <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> she seemed to almost be in love with the quiet version of Daniel. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are, are the quiets fully equipped? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you, they don't have to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> While Lev spies on his wife sexy dancing with Wolf, <laughs> Cherise gives him a visit and threatens him with mechanical bugs this time. What's with high bugs? <laughs> Just loves her bugs, man. <laughs> because of Flynn's condition, Burton sent Connor into the future instead, and he conducted his affairs in typical Connor chuck with <laughs> personal threats and property destruction. <laughs> this prompt Wolf to visit Flynn via VR home video and continues their completely chemical-less flirtation. <laughs> Going back to the future herself, Flynn demands answer while two idiots hack the future? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, she was given the much-needed exposition via an AR museum in a graveyard. A combination that just makes sense. Because sometimes when you're attending your aunt's funeral, you just want to put your Google Glass on and find out a little bit about history that everybody already knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it. Let's start with this flashback. Okay, so we got London, 1975. Um... Everything is not, not 1975. It was I mean, 2075. 20, I don't know why I wrote <laughs> yeah. 1975 on the list. Although 1975 did look a lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, everything's destroyed. You see, like the tower bridge is like only half there, and yeah, everything seems London to be bridge has has fallen. Yes, fallen <laughs> down, fallen down. <laughs> uh, everything is like covered in dust and fog and. It kind of reminds me of uh, the gray goo problem. You know what that is? Yeah. 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 Uh, so for the audience benefit, the gray goo problem is the idea that we'll keep making miniature robots like nanotech uh, that can construct and deconstruct things that eventually everything will be gray goo when they get out of control. Right. So basically they'll just be gray goo everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. They call it. Oh, this is the reformation is what you put on the list. Um. Well, this is before the Reformation. This, this is before is the Reformation. This is what yeah. we're getting reformed from, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Grabbing them is part of the Reformation process. And th this is basically just showing uh, how Aelita and Wolf get captured. That's it. That that's all this is. We already knew they got captured. So why did we do this? Why do we need to see this? Why do we care about any of this? I'm glad we're on the same page because I wrote down in the notes that this is totally pointless. Because we already <laughs> know about this. And seeing this at nothing, I thought when the flashback started, I thought we're going to see Kit Wilf brutally murder a bunch of neoprims, whatever right, those right, are. Like we talked about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, like uh, it's just getting, getting them getting grabbed. I have a lot of problems with this scene. Like, it almost undo a lot of the praise I've been heaping on this show, which is like, it's subtle. It knows how to use it, their budget. This seems a big budget scene because it's a completely brand new location. Uh, even if a lot of the is CGI, uh, this will be a completely different set. This is a waste of budget. <laughs> it is, totally. Um... Uh, and also, I really hate when shows can't resist just putting the major landmarks 
right in the background uh, <laughs> to show that it's that location. You it don't have the if... Sydney. You don't have the 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 opera house just like right outside your window. <laughs> oh, you know for a fact that if there's a post-apocalypse, I'm just gonna go hang out next to the Sydney Opera House because everybody <laughs> know what that is. Yeah, why are these kids coming out in a double-decker bus right, right, right. inside of <laughs> Big Bear? <laughs> and there's this crew of kids that they're a part of, and it is so cliche. Like, there's the one strong man who's just mean to Wilf for no reason and is, like, withholding rations because he doesn't think he's pulling his weight. And it's just, it's so, and Aelita's sticking up for him just because she's kind and compassionate. And it's just so he- heavy-handed and, like I said, cliche. It's, it's And that's nothing. We already got that dynamic from the last week's play. Yeah, totally. This doesn't teach us anything we didn't already know. And also, that kid ain't that big. Alita and Wilf together can take him. Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's one of the neo prims that Wilf went back and killed later. It <laughs> <laughs> also do that weird stage left and stage right thing that it's that that kid leaves the scene for like thirty seconds. And immediately come back and I'm like this is just this whole scene is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then they immediately start talking like he's not there. Like yeah. they're on a bus. How far could he have actually gone? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, the setup that these dudes are using to adopt kids are really ev- uh, elaborate. I'm like, I don't think like their bus isn't that far away. You could have just raided that bus. <laughs> yeah, really. And they're in a bus. There's only like two exits. <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> oh, and also, don't even get me started on sudden onset fog. I really hate <laughs> that one that happened in fucking shows. Like everything. Another like, cliche. You, you can see. The big bed in the background at the beginning of the scene. And 30 seconds later, the fog is so thick that they can't see the people sneaking after them until they're right behind them. (laughs) This is one of those things. Like, if you're ever in a post-apocalyptic setting and it looks like there might be a little bit of fog, don't go running towards your friend. Because then everything is just going to be covered in fog. You won't be able to see anything and you'll get lost. And that's when bad things happen. And how did they even lose each other? Will's it doesn't make any sense. The straight, straight line. <laughs> <laughs> and she was just standing there. She didn't leave. She was looking at him. She, ah. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> it's a, a dumb scene. It's a dumb scene. Although this scene really threw me because uh, last week we thought the, the kids were found in Germany. Right. We even made the joke, uh, because we found out Germany doesn't exist anymore, we even made a joke that third time, <laughs> there's no third time, Germany. But You're really trying episode, to get cancelled, aren't you? <laughs> this, this episode began, and then it was in London, and I'm like, oh, are they saying, like, by this time, in the future, London belonged to Germany? Maybe third time was the chance. <laughs> Maybe those little plucky bastards finally did it this time. <laughs> I went back and watched the third episode, that scene. We were just mistaken. They didn't say they found them in Germany. They just said Wilf has German heritage. Oh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole time I was very confused. And I was creating all these very interesting laws in my head that I'm like, ooh, is it this? Is it that? <laughs> nope. <laughs> That would have been more I interesting. Just, <laughs> I just wasn't paying attention to the dialogue properly, apparently. <laughs> Sometimes headcanon is better. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> I say most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a lot less PG up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, I am, of course, talking about Lost. Um, yeah, I knew I knew where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I can read your mind. <laughs> so the present. Tommy visit. Well, I say present, which even is the present. 2035. Yeah, the, the 2035, <laughs> the present of the story. Um, yeah. um, Tommy visit the farm. Credit where credit is due. This is a much more reasonable and logical action that I thought Tommy would take. No, and it does like it is a it is a decent scene in that, yeah, Tommy showing up in his regular clothes in his truck and even like making a point of saying that out loud. Look, I'm just here as a friend. You can talk to me. Obviously, there's something weird going on. I just if you need to talk to me, I'm right here. Um, that makes sense. But from a yeah. story standpoint, it's still running in place. This is this scene goes nowhere. Like it's maybe a setup for something that will happen in the right. next episode. Um, and that's just kind of frustrating to me. I, I I guess what I'm going to say is like it's not running in place if Tony Tommy does something important later, and this scene is part of the things that inform his actions later. Uh, it's I, just I, like I, the entirety of Tommy's story so far has been set up. Like he hasn't actually right. done anything yet. So we're four episodes in, and it's still setting up something. So whatever he does, it better be big. <laughs> well, you know, cops, man, they work slow. <laughs> <laughs> We still haven't got our stolen car back. That's true. <laughs> they found it three weeks ago. <laughs> had to get the had to get some coffee um, over by the crime board. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what I was going to say was, I the reason I don't mind seeing that thing this much because I still believe our prediction is true that Tommy will be show up at a pivotal time and make an important decision, right? I do think uh, that he's going to be very important. He's going to be critical to the right. story, yeah. But the way it was going, especially where they left it last week, where he <laughs> they just crash zoom in on his reaction to <laughs> to uh, Corbell and Burton shaking hands, I thought. That would have been stupid. I thought if that's it and it leads to his stupid action, that would have been stupid. But now I feel like whatever happens later, whatever Tommy does later, there's now a, a better storyline build up to it. Because not only this conversation where he shows up and say it, um, say like, hey, I'm a friend, is important. What what Burton and Flynn says to each other after he left is also important. Where Burton's like, come on, like, you, like, he said he comes at a friend, but if we tell him there's 20 bodies out back, he can't <laughs> be our friends cop. anymore. Yeah. He's still a cop. <laughs> so that scene set up how these three characters are kind of trapped in this interaction. And thinking of this scene as a, uh, them showing how they're trapped in this relationship, like in this dynamic. Uh, I think that I like that much better than where the left Toby last episode. That's why no, I, I can it. see that. And it's also like a good catalyst for the argument that Flynn and Burton have later about Tommy, about how she was in love with Tommy and all that. Um, yeah. So that that works. Yeah. As a story, as a story point, it's OK. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrated yeah. me because I'm waiting for Tommy to do something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also don't understand why Flynn has any interest in Tommy at all, except his looks, because he seemed to be a vanilla ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this show, I'll get to it later. This show is just not great at writing romance or attraction. <laughs> That's true for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the trauma she's feeling. 
Yeah, it occurred to me for the first time when I was watching this episode that like she has this like clenching hand problem. And the yep. first thing she injured in the peripheral as a peripheral, as a robot, was her hand. Like she got her skin ripped off of her hand. Yeah. She um, got degloved, baby. It didn't occur to me that that, that that could be related. And now like with this one, you know, she got all messed up in the face with the sonic gun. And like now her eyes looks like it's swelling up and she's having like a seizure and stuff. So like the the actual like location of the trauma is important right the one thing i'm not buying it though if it is that simple if it is if it is happening because of the headset and the peripheral why doesn't the future people know about it i feel like this should would be a common problem right i i'm not convinced that uh wolf was telling the truth when he said we'll look into it i i think they do know and i think that they don't care I think Lev wouldn't care. Well, Lev obviously knows. Yeah, well, Wolf probably would, but maybe he just doesn't know. But it's weird because, like, when when Wolf meets with Lev later, he never brings it up. He doesn't talk about it. True, true. But maybe he's like, maybe he know Lev wouldn't care, so maybe he's he's don't he's doing his own uh, investigation. I just think it can't be as simple as that because this tag seems to be widely used. Right, the cop talk about using it to visit. Right, Uh, right. maybe it's. Maybe it's happening because it's coming from the past, not not from the present. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, uh, and maybe they're not just not used to using the peripheral technology to get people from the past into the future. Right. Uh, if it is just that, if they they highlight the fact that it's because it's from the past, then yeah, I can buy it. But otherwise, I'm like, this will be a common problem. Like you can't even say it's because she keeps having violent encounters in peripherals because people are going to use peripheral for the violent intent like immediately if this technology exists <laughs> there's going to be peripheral fight clubs yes vi- peripheral... violent desires and violence ends and all that yeah right there's i've seen what's peripheral, fi- <laughs> peripheral fight clubs and peripheral fuck clubs okay you Absolutely. cannot stop and the fighting and the some fucking. of them will be con- connected yeah <laughs> it's very gray area between them <laughs> I don't want anything great. I, I know those clubs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we finally meet uh, DD, uh, Tommy, Tommy Constantine's uh, future wife. Uh, Flynn has nothing to be jealous about. <laughs> <laughs> she is in a she is in a different class. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like this is a professional lady. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Not that kind uh, of professional win. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm just saying, look, like Tommy would be upgrading several different tiers. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean to classify people, but I'm just saying, I'm just, I, I just have Flynn's back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but um, she, I do like her. She 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 does have that like she as as somebody <laughs> who um, have multiple doctors in the family. Her doctor vibes is definitely correct. She just is like, well, why don't you stop using the thing that's giving you headaches? You fucking right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she has that like, why why are these patients just being idiots? <laughs> <Vibes down pat. laughs> uh, well, I mean, Burton was clearly just there to have a third person tell her to stop using a peripheral because he was worried. Um, and, you know, getting the CT scan, which we're going to see in the next episode, apparently, um, is important. But, like, I think he was only there to help convince her to stop. Like, that's it. That's all he was there for. Yeah, maybe. 
he does seem to pretty be pretty easygoing later when like he, he was easily convinced when she wants to go back in again. Yeah, true. Uh, I, I think he does want her to stop, but he like he also admit the you know the gravity of the situation. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I think he like mainly he just worry about his kid sister, right? Well, yeah, of course. He uh, just saw her like have a massive seizure right in front of him. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love how very thin defense is like. Remember, we had a friend who had a seizure in like seventh grade, and then she never <laughs> had another one again. And I'm like, okay. But what does that have to do with that? <laughs> That's pointless. <laughs> but um, it, like that that sibling conversation is once again uh pretty good, pretty good, especially about him finding the uh, the little Tommy Constantine figure, right, right, the, the, like half of the three D printed Tommy yeah. Constantine in the yeah. trash. Yeah. Now, like, like if there's pa- one relationship that I think the show does perfectly, it's theirs. Yeah. Like their sibling yeah. relationship is absolutely pitch perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the bit about the we, like, remember how I never brought it up again? Let's do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think Dee Dee's gonna find out more about the headset chasing it down, and that's how Tommy will get more information? Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Um, because otherwise the scene wouldn't even be in the show. Like they wouldn't bother to introduce any of this if they hadn't left it hanging for Dee, Dee to figure out. Like, yeah. so obviously Dee, Dee and Tommy Constantine are going to pull their information together and figure out what's going on to some extent. Um, because she's not going to like Burton thinks that she's going to get so busy as a doctor that she's going to forget about the headset and not follow through on it. I think she's totally going to follow through on it. She's not going to wait for Burton. So yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, what Barton say isn't unrealistic. That's a reasonable assumption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, I also have doctors in my family. I, I had my mother was an ER nurse for a long time. Um, but no, I really do. I do think that she's she's going to be a little bit more dogged than he gives her credit for. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that feeling. Uh, at least for at least for the storyline progression sake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> CT scan at the hefty mind. <laughs> I just I think it's really funny, just this idea that you can go down to Walmart and get a CT scan. I mean, <laughs> it's not complete. It's one of those things that's not completely out of the boundaries of reality, because, I mean, there are places that have like portable MRI scanners, but a portable CT scanner, that's that's a whole different beast, man. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be portable. They could they could just have one attached to the hefty mark. <laughs> you don't know how the hefty mark operate. <laughs> that's true. Maybe hefty mark is just the name of the mall or the name of the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a hospital for plus size people only called the hefty mark. Um, the Everybody going around in, in their electric scooters, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was thinking of that as well. I was thinking of uh, Wally. Uh, the names of shops in this show is pretty on point. Uh, I like Farmer John. I like Hefty Bud. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> totally believable. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if they really exist. <laughs> Let's talk about this uh, home movie VR that uh, Wolf Evade. So it seems that's just a technology future people have. They can just, they can enter your, uh, as long as it's a VR <laughs> uh, entertainment, they can enter your uh, wank sessions or they can enter your family videos. Uh, yeah. Uh, so obviously we learn a little bit more about their dad, like Flynn and Burton's dad who died at some point. Um, 
and she's just watching old home movies when they were kids. It looks like it's Halloween. They're dressed up for Halloween. She's dressed up as a bee and he's dressed up as a wolf, which is a he's little... dressed up as a werewolf. <laughs> it's still a bit on the nose, yeah. don't you think? <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe it's foreshadowing. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, foreshadowing like a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Please don't do foreshadowing with sledgehammers. <laughs> I think you're using sledgehammers wrong, my friend. <laughs> That's just a setup for later. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad i live half the world away from you um you know i i, I keep bringing up strange days but I, I get so many strange days vibes from this because in strange days the main character he keeps going back into his memories and he's like obsessed with reliving his memories in vr and it's just it just feels very similar to that um and it's it's again it's like exposition dump like she's watching this and and um what's his name wolf invades just so she can tell him that that's my dad's jacket that I'm wearing. I mean, it's like, you get it. <laughs> we don't need that. Uh, Do you think the dad is an important figure? Maybe we're going to meet another character later who's wearing that jacket. Maybe. Maybe they go to another stub. Possibly, yeah. And maybe, like, maybe his death, since we don't really know anything about it yet, we don't know how he died, um, maybe that was actually the future that killed him. Like somebody came from the future or somebody did something in the future that caused him to die. Like Lev's yep. family. Um, yep. I don't know. But I also, I also like at the very end when she and Wolf are talking and Wolf brings up that he, he finally said, okay, here's something that you don't know that I haven't told you. And I lead as my sister. I really yep. wish that had been as much of a surprise to us, the audience as it was to her. I yep. wish that they had saved the reveal for that moment. Um, I feel yep. like, not doing that was a big missed opportunity. Yeah, especially because they revealed it twice in a thing that doesn't really have much impact. Yeah. Like, they shouldn't have done the second flashback at all, but you're right that they should have saved the first flashback for after this scene. Yeah, they totally could have done the first flashback and even his meeting with his mom after this. Like, it, it wouldn't have broken any of the story as far as I can tell. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's all. Well, I mean, like, they needed to get the riddle other to go find uh, that I guess place. that's true but I mean yeah. they could have gotten that some other way yeah this is true so the one of the big reveals in this scene is uh, Flynn has been doing research on Lev and all his ancestors are now dead in the <laughs> current timeline uh, <laughs> I, I called it immediately the first time I watched the episode I'm like no no she didn't do this Lev did this Lev is, is totally the wanting this that was exactly what I thought <laughs> <laughs> like word for I word what I thought. That's what you wrote in the notes. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, motherfucker is the wanting this. <laughs> um, the future thing doesn't uh, happen until later, but let's just talk about it now. Um, <laughs> I love Lev, okay? Yeah, like, yeah, it's great. The previous episodes, um, every time Lev talk, I'm like, ah, this guy's funny. Or like, yeah, I'm a bot. <laughs> Even when he's like, no, uh, Wilf, uh, don't be weirdo. This is a robot. We keep her in a box. Like in that <laughs> conversation, I was on board, and I, I know he does this little monologue that like Richard Barfel people gets to do because everybody is on their payroll. But I love his little, <laughs> I love his little monologue. But this scene where he's like, no, 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 I killed those. Uh, <laughs> I killed those people. It was definitely my uh, situation where where you're going, I cannot follow etiquette. <laughs> but this is dumb. <laughs> it's weird. I... 
it's not even you. Like, it's your ancestors. Like, you're making sure you never existed for right. some reason. Um, it's just the existential horror of it. <laughs> see, it, are we... <laughs> Is this uh, is this like a common thing that we don't get? Because clearly you find it weird as well, right? But I kind of understand where they're coming from. The sh- it's it's the show's way of showing us that Lev is, you know, we talk about how whether it's it's whether or not we think of the other reality. If we think of the stub as reality, or it's basically a sim, you can do whatever you want. There's no morals. This scene right. is basically showing us where Lev falls on that spectrum. We probably could have guessed before this, but this is like laying it out. Yes, we're totally going to use the stub for illicit purposes. We're going to test drugs on a human population. I'm going to kill my own ancestors because fuck it. I, I human life means nothing in the stub. So we're we're just learning Lev's state of mind, and I think that's important for the show. Um, right, it's just a, it's a weird way of doing it. <laughs> well, uh, right, like the the things we find out about him experimentation, none of that surprised me. Even though I like Lev as a character, I know he's supposed to be a monster. I'm not right. surprised that he's willing to kill his ancestors. I'm just surprised why he feels the need to. Right, <laughs> like he's that's... he's going to a lot of trouble to do that for right. reasons. <laughs> I, I get that he doesn't value their life, but why would he care about them enough? If he doesn't value their life at all, why would he even care about them enough to get them killed? That's the part I don't get. And I'm, what I'm saying is, like, are we the weird people who don't get it? Like, Because clearly this thing come up multiple times in fiction, even like we just referenced the one, right? right. And everything everywhere all at once. It, a lot of fiction's about multiverse selves. Like, this that like just want to kill their multiple stuff. I don't understand. Like, <laughs> look, I have the healthy self-aware level of self-hatred that everybody <laughs> needs to have to be a good person. I think. <laughs> Even then, if future, I, alternate reality means are real, I'm not going to be going on a, like a fucking kill mission. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. So, I don't get it either. Like, I, I think it's I think it's just it's a lazy writing thing. I, I'm not being it's not even lazy. It's just irresistible. Yeah, weird. Like yeah. they want they want to show you narcissism um, on a different level. And just the idea that they would go into other realities and kill themselves. It's just it's it's hard to resist as a writer. I can kind of see that. Um, yeah. But I but, feel like narciss- for narcissism, uh, it manifesting in the idea that you teaming up with yourself from alternate futures make more sense. Like like councils of Reed, that uh, Reed Richards, right, and Kang too, yeah. Kang, that 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 kind of narcissism make more sense. Kang especially because they try to team up to work together, but the, he's also so deeply broken that even with himself, they start fighting and eventually start killing each other. And that it's not, they're not it, and it's not that they're fighting because they, they don't want each other to exist. They're only fighting yeah. because they want power. <laughs> and yeah. Like they're a threat yeah. to their own power. In this yeah. instance with Lev, he's not even like he's not competing with the Lev from the other timeline. The Lev yeah. in the other timeline doesn't exist yet. So he's just yeah. stopping him from and even might existing. Not, might not even come to exist because right. the stubs futures are different now. Right. So I don't know. I don't I don't quite get it either. <laughs> but that scene, I, I still like Lev in that scene. Also, uh, he get—I don't understand—he get blindfolded and get taken outside. Is there is there no way to get to that outside without going? Through they were the in a thing courtyard. Where... They were just in a really big courtyard. <laughs> they, they look like in the side of the road. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just where they the location where they filmed it. But I it, I feel like they were trying to go for courtyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
the and thing also, I did, the thing I really liked is Lev when he gives that like condescending, "Oh, Wolf, I forgot that you're such a nice person." <laughs> I love that. That like condescending that. smile is so good. Oh, the actor who played Lev is real good. Like yeah, every yeah. time he talks, I'm just like, "Ah, you, you smurvy motherfucker!" <laughs> I love you. <laughs> also, why did he pour? Um, uh, wolf and white and then he's like oh is that all put your blindfold back on and leave i'm like no let him drink his wine <laughs> <laughs> let the man finish <laughs> uh let the man arrive <laughs> sorry sorry I'm I'm going going <laughs> <laughs> um okay so <laughs> are we done with everything that happened in the past oh well okay let's jump to the future for that yeah, because we're basically already there. Just we used Lev's conversation as kind of like a transition. Oh, uh, because no, there are more stuff I want to talk about the present, but let's talk about the future for now. Uh, there, there's a lot more exposition. This is definitely ex- exposition. The episode, yeah. Uh, in the future, Lev is considering giving up on searching for a leader completely. Right, right. Like the even before Cherise come and talk to him, the cost benefit analysis perhaps no longer make that much sense <laughs> uh maybe he can maybe he have alternative ways to pursue obtaining a stub which we now know to be their goal uh and in this conversation with wolf they drop how long can she last without her implants giving her the necessary immunity, uh, immunity yeah. yeah so clearly the future the, the reformation didn't reform as much as they would like us to think right right there's obviously still things going on in in the in the present of the future <laughs> sorry bad right. wording um but there's still things going on in the atmosphere that are problematic like you need right. you need implants just to survive day-to-day life yeah right and that kind of lends to a leader's uh, uh, uh saying earlier in the series that uh, the future can't be safe, right? It feels right. like they took humanity out of a nosedive uh, and leveled out to a slow decline, but there's perhaps no chance of taking off again. Perhaps it is go- just going to be a slow decline. No! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, other things we learned from the uh, three different conversations Lev have in this episode. This is a very Lev-heavy episode. Um, that what they actually want is a way to create stubs. Right, so they, they want to create their ass- own stubs. Right. They have access to this stub now, uh, but clearly they j- like, we didn't know this. Uh, we, uh, we didn't have enough information to make assumptions, but clearly they only have technologies to communicate with this stub, uh, but like they didn't start it. I must have. Right. We assume. Uh, but they they've also been running these operations for a while, right? Because we discussed that Motocross Cold Iron does have a lot of resources in that stub. Yeah, I feel like they've been working with this stub for a couple of years at least. Yeah. Right. So Probably they more. have been they have been exploiting this stub, right? Yeah. But they want to be able to exploit stub technology in general. Right. So uh, is there more to how you create stubs? We don't know that yet. Is that important? Uh, it's probably we, important, but yeah, like it's only been the the explanation we've gotten doesn't actually make a lot of sense. And I've already made my case for that. But um, the idea that just going into the past makes a stub, I don't buy or, you know, changing the past creates a stub. I don't buy that explanation. I think there has to be more to it. And that will be important. I think I think that will be important moving forward because that's 
that that seems to be Lev's goal at least. Um, so yeah, we'll see. See, I I'm the opposite. I wish that is just the explanation. Like I I think there is more to it that in that what it involves. But I for me like the idea like that just makes perfect sense. If you go back in time, that created a bunch of timeline. That's how they how if you impact the past, it created divergent timeline. That's what a stub is. Like I'm perfectly fine with that explanation. Yeah, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna get into it again. I just <laughs> I have I have a deep philosophical problem with that in the way it's being used in the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not talking about in the way it's being used in the story. I'm just saying if technology itself narrow it down to narrowing it down to just that sentence, impacting the past, create a different timeline. That's oh yeah, sure. Like, look. The bottom line for me as a nitpicky time travel guy is that like as long as you have a consistent rule and stick to it, you're you're golden. That I don't care yep. what the rule is as long as you yep. are consistent with it. Yep. Um yeah, that's okay. All. Well let, let me introduce you to this little show called Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> no man, see, I'm a trekkie. The... I hate rules <laughs> time travel. <laughs> the rule is that they have this gate. Uh, that takes you to the stars. <laughs> huh. And what do they call uh, it? <laughs> big round thing. Wormhole Extreme. Uh, which is a show within the show in Stargate. <laughs> are you are you are you being serious now? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like um the, uh, so, an alien who lost his memory, like make this fictional program called Wormhole Extreme based <laughs> on things he's recalling from the experience in the Stargate. <laughs> That's pretty great, actually. And, yeah, I like it. <laughs> and in the fiction, the government let the keep show keep running as plausible deniability for the Stargate program. So if people <laughs> find out about Stargate program, they can go, isn't that the plot of that show Wormhole Extreme? <laughs> You will love Stargate, my friend. It, is it sounds unfair. like it. That sounds a lot of fun. That sounds good. I like it. <laughs> um, okay. So the Daniel Coit, that scene where they're making the Daniel Coit is hilarious. Also feel unnecessary. <laughs> Again, also, pointless, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just raised so many questions about what coins are. Are they AI? <laughs> <laughs> I if think so. AI... I don't I don't think like that's really Daniel's like consciousness digitally reinserted into a robot. I think it it's just AI. But the, the AI kind of seemed to suck. The the quite seems to be too bad. They're like not good enough if they AI, and if they're not AI, pointless to have. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. Um yeah, I don't know. Like it feels weird to me that they would do this. Like they would kill Daniel just to bring him back as a coid for this scene that I'm not really sure why this happens. Like, I'm not sure what we're supposed to be learning about here other than maybe how a coid works. And even then it's very vague and un yeah. undescribed. Yeah. Like she's able to like tweak things in his personality just with a flick of the finger. And so, so what? <laughs> And clearly these coins don't have the three laws of robotic because it's immediately like, please let me murder some people, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, That was actually really funny. He's like, what, you want to kill yeah. me? He's like, oh, yes, very much oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> this coin, Daniel, have a lot more personality than <laughs> the real the actual Daniel. Daniel yeah. 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 Um, and also um, that technician, quiet technicians that keep annoying Charisse. I'm like, you are angling for <laughs> or be death, be related death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, 
it feels to me like there will be some sort of uh, ashing scene confrontation with Lev or Wolf next episode. Absolutely. Like, that's definitely where it's going. Like, we're going to have, you know, Daniel 2.0 now with, you know, special features. <laughs> now yeah. with more Kung Fu, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and if he vibrates. And knives uh, in his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so we, out of nowhere, also meet Lev's wife, Dominica. Subtle yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that didn't even occur to me. <laughs> uh, so just get introduced in like, uh, I'm like, who who's this? I'm like, like who the Cho- fuck are we talking to? Who is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, the seaside, I'm like, chose look different this episode. <laughs> uh, and she's just sitting there in that, that like, very plungy nightgown. And then they have a little sexy dance. I don't like. I I just feel like you shouldn't mention this. I didn't even know Love was married. I just feel like you <laughs> yeah, exactly. We didn't character. even know he was married. <laughs> and he's like watching the whole time. Yeah, and it seems like she's setting up a loyalty test for Wilf because she's probably going to be doing something against Love's wishes, and it's very weird. And it just comes out of the blue. <laughs> comes out of the blue, definitely. And I feel like I sh- they should have introduced this character earlier, especially because that house doesn't seem that big. Right, yeah. We only see like two rooms yeah, and a yeah. porch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even... Uh, there's also apparently a second floor, I didn't realize. <laughs> uh, but I do like the new dynamic introduced. It seems to me that Lev's wife perhaps have more power than Lev. Absolutely, yeah, I think Did so. Did you get that vibe? Yeah. I definitely got that vibe. I think that all of Lev's power comes from her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they both claps, but he's, she seemed to come from a more powerful family. Right, I get that vibe but, too, definitely. Yeah, and uh, this weird, I hate to use the word, but it apply, cocky scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> so maybe Lev doesn't have any choice but to let her do whatever she wants, you know? Maybe maybe this is like an arranged marriage and like, you know, it's a marriage of convenience between two powerful clept families and blah, 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 blah. And like there it's not a marriage of love or lust or anything like that. So like they don't have that kind of connection. So like she can play with their pets, as he puts it, you know, and he all he can do is watch. Yeah. Or maybe even if there is love and affection, maybe it's just one of those marriages where both parties also do whatever the hell they want. That happens in rich and powerful sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. The open marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, not like ethically monogamous open marriages, just where two broken people, just too rich and powerful to have consequences to their actions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the weird sexy dancing scene is unnecessary, but I did enjoy. <laughs> I did like the actress who plays her. Like, yeah, she's, she's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, why Wilf? Why is everybody after Wilf? He's he's <laughs> fine. He's fine. Like he's a good dude, but uh, you know, uh, Burton seems to be a <laughs> <laughs> uh, much respect, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't seem to have any love interests except maybe alcohol. No, wait, that's Connor. <laughs> no, no, he and Connor, man, they're, they're totally in love. I mean, it feels like love, right? <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Uh, does Connor still have those implants? I wonder. We I'm, haven't yeah, seen some yet. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it would make sense that he would if they were in the same squad. Yeah. Uh, 
but uh, another <laughs> also this technology where you can see through each other's vision. What it does doesn't have a little pop up like, "Hey, somebody's trying to remote control your eyes." Yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or Dominica maybe uh, acting according to her name really don't care that Lev is seeing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> maybe she, she want Lev she to watch. Him. Maybe she maybe she's forced him to. You have to watch. <laughs> uh, I don't I'm not comfortable with where this is happening. <laughs> uh, so if uh Dominica is after Wilf, um uh, Wilf is after Alita and Alita is after Tommy Constantine. What is this? Is it a love quadrangle? It and Tommy Constantine yeah. and DD. And does that mean is DD gonna be into Dominica so we complete complete the loop? <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie, I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you seem to be a lot more into DD than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, this scene leads straight into Charisse personally visiting Lev, which I did not see coming. <sighs> this is the first time we see Lev rattle. Okay, I... he was just watching his wife making the move on his path. <laughs> right, true. Um, I hated the scene. Really, I hated everything about this scene. I hated seeing Lev on his back foot. I hated just the contrivedness of it. She just like waves off. Ah, oh, you have too much faith in your perimeter. And the stupid metaphor with the toast, just explaining how the world works to Lev. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my face because it's an audio podcast, but I'm very disgusted. <laughs> I I was also laughing and not like, with joy at the metaphor with the toast, but I did like it when he she was like he was like, Do you have any more metaphors to do with my breakfast? <laughs> okay, that was kind of funny. But like yeah. even as a metaphor, it was terrible. It's a horrible metaphor. A house with yeah. three walls. Yeah. What? <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> three isn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that scene from Simpson? Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> he's like, what's the roof? And then she goes, it's a metaphor. I'm like, the whole thing is a metaphor. <laughs> it's a metaphor that doesn't work. <laughs> so tortured. <laughs> uh, and also Lev just uh, casually sitting down for breakfast, eating four pieces of toast. <laughs> How are you With keeping the crust that cut off. Up, my man? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. Uh, the metaphor is a bit... Uh, uh, like I didn't like the metaphor bit, and I also like this is one of the examples of bad exposition. These two people have no business explaining things they already know to each other. Uh, but yeah, and she's doing uh, it like she's like revealing something really clever and interesting, and it's just <laughs> that's all I got to say. It's just <laughs> I also got a felt. I also got the feeling that she's talking to him like he's a child because she's trying to be condescending. Um, so that aspect I don't mind that much. I I don't I, like. I don't mind seeing Lev on the back foot. I don't mind that that much. Uh, I do like the later threat with the disassembler, disassembler swap. Right. Uh, because that does feel like information that perhaps Lev didn't know. Uh, True. If it was, yeah. Uh, but all the tortured stuff about the uh, how society is read. Uh, yeah, that was unnecessary. Uh, and also, there was no sleight of hand. Like, I watched it the second time watching it very closely. She never took that cup. Like she no, never she reached for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, no, that was just a threat. Like, yeah, but this... then the cup disappears. Like she took it, but she didn't. <laughs> There's at uh, no point you see. Did, did the cup disappear? Yeah, he looks down and it's gone. Yeah. No, I don't think that's what's happening. I think what's happening is she says she says the threat. Yeah, and all and... she needs is a sample of his DNA, and then they yeah, look at and... then he, they look at the cup. But later, after she leaves, he looks down at the table, and all that's there is the saucer with a little piece of lemon. The cup is gone. That's oh, why really? he looks all oh, upset. I, I... Yeah, I didn't see that part. No, 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 I didn't. Well, I, I must have missed that part. Maybe um, I was too bored by the toast bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what do you think his lab's action is going to be now? That is a pretty potent threat she just laid out. Well, I mean, he's got to have to, he's going to have to have some kind of re- responding in kind, but I'm not really sure how. Uh... I don't think he is on the same level as R.I. He does seem to be afraid of them. Yeah, um, but I think he's got back channels. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of worry for him, actually, because if they're setting up Dominica as the power behind the throne, kind of like with uh, what's his name back in the present. Um, Corbell. Corbell, yeah, it, it feels very similar to that. Like, that means that he could be taken out of the picture and then she could be the big threat. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he will want to back off. But Dominica is like, no, Let's we can forward. take on. We can take on I, especially if like it seems to me that um, the family I took out does have relations to Dominica's family. Maybe Dominica right. will want revenge. It's possible. Um, but you definitely get the feeling from Lev in this episode that he kind of wants to take a step back. That, yeah. Like he knows the risk benefit ratio very well, and as soon as it tips yeah. off balance, he just yeah. he's willing to pull out. Like he was yeah. saying with with uh, Wilf and the the crime scene, he's like, I could send in a team to clean it, but then maybe they'd get caught. It would just be too much of a hassle. So let's just cut it out. This wasn't worth it for this like two pieces of uh, uh, neuro toast. implants from well <laughs> the toast. <laughs> and in the recurring segment of me getting obsessed with bread shown in TV shows, I really wanted to eat that toast. <laughs> You're just hungry all the time when you watch TV. I just really like bread, man. <laughs> I'm a bread addict. <laughs> uh, well, look, I'm the rice addict, so I, I, I relate. <laughs> Stereotypical bastard. <laughs> hey, I can say the same to you. <laughs> Good point. It's white bread, too, right? <laughs> Isn't that your nickname in high school? <laughs> <laughs> no, my nickname in high school is far more embarrassing. <laughs> um, okay, so first of all, Connor's visit to the future. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so funny to me, and I don't know if it was intentional or not. Because I think it was I, intentional because I also found it hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to, like, I thought the scene was going to be him explaining stuff and clearly he does because the when wolf come visit uh the past later uh he does seem to suggest have information that, that connor had given connor him gave, so yeah at some point uh, connor went back in and explained things yeah that just happened off scene, camera <laughs> the way it was cut it's, it feels like he showed up terrorized cho whose real name is ash by the way in this show uh and just jumped out the window <laughs> <laughs> well you know he had to try out his new legs <laughs> yeah i get that suddenly he's like have the limbs he lost and he is up to like he wants to use them but that does seems like unnecessary property destruction for no fucking reason <laughs> well i think like it gets to his attitude like later when they describe 
you know, when uh, when Burton is talking to Flynn about what she does when she first gets yes. into a sim, that feels yep. exactly like Connor's mentality when he goes into the into the future, into the peripheral. He's just going to he's just going to break shit. You know, he's just going to he's just going to pull the push the boundaries and see what he can get away with. Um, I, but I, I don't know if that there's that much thought into it. I think it's yes. more reckless than that. Yes. I think he was just, you know, full of emotion and, you know, a right. surge of power. But, but at the, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the very least, uh, uh, what he did uh, uh, could be used by Flint because now they know that those things can be deactivated remotely, which they use in the later scene. Um, so yeah, Fl- we'll talk about Flint, that. Flint is using <laughs> the information she gains, like the way she says she does. But I think Connor is just running amok like a like a fucking drunk. He, is, <laughs> he, <is. laughs> he does seem to be a little bit of an agent of chaos. Yeah, <laughs> I like him. <laughs> oh, I do too. He's he's one of my favorite characters in the whole show. <laughs> uh, so that leads directly to when Flynn comes back into the thing and demands that uh, <laughs> demands that they give two extra bodies for Connor and Burton. I hope they do. Because yeah, I hope they do I, too, because yeah, I definitely I want to see all of them in the future. Yeah, and I want a big team fight, like some yeah, sort yeah. of weird Matrix Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> they can all just keep uh, kicking the Daniel Coit over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you finished Chainsaw Man or not, but um, the ending is quite similar <laughs> to what you just said. I haven't yet. I, I need more cold medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I don't hate this as as much as you do, so I'm going to let you take the lead on breaking down this scene. Okay, so you've got hackers in 2035 <laughs> doing yep. their hacker thing like you would see in any cheesy hacker movie or TV show where they're just randomly typing at a keyboard and the shit that's on the screen doesn't actually make any sense and doesn't really relate to what they're doing with the keyboard. And somehow they're hacking future technology that other people are using to control the peripheral that Flynn is just jumped into. And they do this like instantaneously, like without any warning whatsoever. She says, get them ready because I'm going in. And then she goes in and then immediately they're hacking the future. I want to make that clear. They are hacking the future. They're hacking this guy's console in the future. Hacking the future is definitely the slogan of too many hackathons that I have seen. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Isn't that the slogan in Hackers, the 1995 classic? No, it's that's hack. That's the hack, the planet. hack the planet. Hack the planet. Yeah, yeah, hack the planet. Hack the planet. I don't mind the idea that they're hacking the future as much as because, like, the way I justify it is that there is a connection. You know, yeah, right? there's a they're, data transfer. I get that they're piggybacking on the connection. Right. Sure, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but they're but piggybacking right on that, that connection to hack the guy's console that stops him from shutting them down. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I don't even mind that much. It's just that these two numbnuts is hacking technology that is seventy years in the future. Exactly. That's the part yeah, that that's I a mind. big problem. <laughs> right. Like some people today cannot get jobs in, in uh, 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 coding in programming and coding well in coding programming coding is different uh, uh, computer engineering let's just say because the language they learned about a decade ago 
is out of date. Completely obsolete. They're using now and they haven't been scaling up. You're telling me that (laughs) they're using the the same compatible language 70 fucking years in the future? (laughs) Aren't they on like C++++++ by now? (laughs) Also, from information we learned later, this is a future in which like hacking has become a huge problem. So you think they would have shorn up their firewalls a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't think these two idiots are capable of this. No, they don't seem like the type. Yeah. <laughs> we we didn't even get a line earlier that these are like, oh, these idiots are like also uh genius hackers, but they're wasting their time in this um, dead end 3D printing <laughs> shop. Like there's an opportunity when uh Flynn was complaining about her being stuck in a dead end job, she could have said it's like you know, you're a hacking genius, you are a thing, and I'm whatever. We're all stuck in this thing. It's stuck right, in this right. dead end job. They could have done that. There could there no. could have been ways, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that was funny, uh, but not intentionally. <laughs> uh, they did, it did give Ash and the other guy uh, a lot of chance. It did to... give that other guy a lot more character, I think. It did make yeah. him more fun. Like, yeah, I don't remember what he said. It's like, you impossible prat or something. Um, it was yeah. really funny. And then, like, the victory, and he starts like quoting some line about victory, and then she cuts him off. I mean, that was actually pretty good. That, that, was, yeah. that was pretty cute. That was church. Churchill, Churchill quoting, that's what right? he was quoting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> and also like um, the audience jumping on the line to be like, "Oh no, no, sir, I, I didn't mean you." Right, right. That <laughs> like, yeah, still that was funny. fun. <laughs> still funny. Uh, oh, by easy the way, joke, uh, but a good one. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ashes, uh, Ash, um, weird uh, Scottish accent. Really doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that is that is her accent, by the way. She is she is Scottish. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, it felt like a real accent, but I'm not Scottish. What do I know? <laughs> All I know is Scottish accent is I know from Ewan McGregor. <laughs> well, and, you know, as Cho, she also had that Scottish accent. That's true. Yeah, she did. So anything else about this uh, Flynn running a Mac? It, it, it just seems... It is very filler. I feel like they could have they could have gotten a shorter path to the uh, graveyard scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, she had to do something to show that she had some kind of control and some kind of agency. I get why they did it, and I get why it's there in the story. I just didn't really like it that much. I thought it was clunky, and it relied on really bad hacking trope. That's all. <laughs> I also think they're just setting up the idea that they might be able to control the quites without less explicit approval and yeah, desire maybe. in the yeah. future. Uh, but they needed to do that better, I think. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, even if even if the numb nuts are like like hacking the hardware and being like, okay, this this part like this addiction this a- addition this part of the chip seems to be have no bearing on the connection, but seem just seem to be like a, a device for remotely controlling it. We're going to take that out. That would have made more sense. That would, that would have worked. Yeah. I could have lived with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, so this leads straight into Lev finally giving up. Is it? I, I don't know if Ash gave up at Lev instruction or if she's like finally like, ah, oh, fuck it. This is just too painful. I'm just going to tell you what's happening. The way it, it's set up, it looks like she just gave up and is just doing it on her own. But I think she had to have had Lev's approval to do it. Like, I don't, right. 
Yeah, I don't think she would have gone rogue like that. And right. Wolf doesn't seem all that bothered when he shows up. He's like, oh, nice place for a stroll. <laughs> yeah. Pack me in. Yeah. I I also feel like why did Alita did that to Ash and Lav instead of just waiting until she encounter Wilf next time and being like, Wilf, tell me what's happening. I feel like if they, she wants this information, Wilf will be the uh, candidate that is most likely to give it to her instead of Ash. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, but Will, I... Duff, Will does want to give it to her, so why not? <laughs> 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 Sometimes I set myself up to these, <laughs> these jokes. I just have to say the next punchline. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, <laughs> High marks. You get an eight point five. <laughs> let's talk about this graveyard. Um, clearly, they just this is clearly this is a scene written around what is available for them as a set. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they were location scouting. They're like, that graveyard looks kind of spooky. Maybe we could make that the museum. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there AR museum in the goddamn graveyard? First of all, why would there even need to be a museum for this? Everybody already knows this. It yeah, wasn't this... that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> like the, it could be like a memorial, not a museum. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like seriously, you're just gonna um, tell people about what happened in history via these wind at visualizers in 3D. <laughs> Because that's what they are. <laughs> and they're very abstract and they don't really yeah. like I don't <laughs> at least the like CG mess I was worried about kind of has an in-universe explanation that the CG is yeah. just bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also like it seemed to be like arty interpretation of like it's like explaining World War II by an interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, basically. <laughs> and here it is. Um, this number is called uh, Shell Shock. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this is another example of, of like the writers trying to come up with a way to deliver exposition and make it somehow visually interesting. Um, so like this episode kind of like shows you all the different ways that you can try to do that and yeah. how all different ways don't really work. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um... I do like the AR technology, though, because we already have VR. Um, uh, AR, by the way, for people, is augmented reality. VR is if you like put a headset on and uh, completely trying to enter a simulated environment. AR is if there's overlays or animations on top of the reality you're seeing. Yeah, like uh, Google Glass, which we all have and use all the time because it's the next <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> uh, I like how Google Class died not because of technological limitations. It's just everybody in New York just says, if you're wearing a Google Glass, you cannot enter our premises. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> which yeah. killed the which killed the beta program, <laughs> which killed the Google Glass. And I love that kind of spite from a whole city. <laughs> That's discrimination, man. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm with New York on this. So fucking show up with your... Uh, I could be recording this at all-time device, you knock. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I've read enough William Gibson to know that he's kind of obsessed with AR. Like a lot of his books in the last like 20 years have been all about AR. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, let's break down all the exposition we have in this. Uh, the jackpot. It, okay. it just, it's just a very realistic apocalypse. No, it's like probably I, the one we're gonna get. Yeah, like I like I explained well, in the last episode, they call it the jackpot just because it was a bunch of different things happening basically at yeah. once, just like yeah. a lot of one in a million 
kind of things. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. That's probably like the kind of thing we're looking at. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No one thing is actually going to do us in. We're not going to like get hit by an asteroid and everybody dies. That's not going to happen. It's going to be a bunch of other things like an asteroid is going to hit, but we'll find a way to survive. And then we'll get hit by a pandemic. And then there'll be like a nuclear attack and blah, 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 blah. You know, the same kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the government moves to the right, and you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's gonna be some sort of pandemic, yeah, you know. Good and all of a sudden, there's spy balloons everywhere, land. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, kill a Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so we hear about the blackout, uh, yeah, the entire North blackout. American like continent is blacked out for a couple of months, apparently, and it's something that yeah. happens again and again, yeah. Um, that's bad, and that uh, again, that was hacking, um, yeah. Yeah, that was the first step, and then the next step was a pandemic. Yep. Imagine that with a phylovirus. Yeah, like By the a, way, that... a hemorrhagic fever, basically. Yeah. By the way, that hacking thing is a uh, international actors are always trying to uh, uh, to ping at uh, other uh, other countries' firewalls at all times. It is just a reality we live in. Yeah, it's the nature in... of the beast. Yeah. Right. I worked in government agencies, which just fully straight up admit that, yeah, like that—that's probably China, Wait. <laughs> or that's probably Russia. <laughs> you work for government agencies? I can't do this podcast with you anymore. I'm sorry. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I recently signed a, a political neutral neutrality agreement, which made me really laugh. <laughs> I will ne- never. Stay where I want this podcast, <laughs> but also it's a short contract, so it doesn't matter. By the time you guys figure it out, I would have moved on to the next thing. <laughs> Go sit on that fence, Lynn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... No, 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 no. It's political neutrality. It doesn't. What level of neutrality? I can just say, like, for example, say uh, all buildings burn, <laughs> no matter which political party it belongs to. <laughs> See, that's the kind of neutrality I can get behind, Lynn. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like countries are uh, uh, hacking other countries all the time. So that's not... <laughs> that's not outside the realm of possibility, yeah. But yeah. I think if, if we get like a if we get like a massive continent-wide blackout, it'll probably be from like a coronal mass ejection or something. Right, right. Uh, there are, are things that... Uh, that we're not actively fucking up that can still harm us. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> uh, of things we're actively fucking up, environmental catastrophe, of course, that was to be That expected. was definitely predicted, yeah. And they, yeah. The bees and everything, yep, totally. Yeah. Uh, also, to be fair, I think it's more the environmental catastrophe that is unfixable rather than the, the rolling blackouts. Yeah, I think of all of these, <laughs> it's the environmental catastrophe that is the absolute worst. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's the real... The real real problem like the blackouts yeah. we could probably survive a philo virus while killing you know hundreds of millions of people sucks we we'd make it through um yeah would we the i don't i don't know like there's no real life examples that i can think of about living <laughs> with a pandemic um well, i'm okay. just like that- speaking hypothetically here <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm um, sure that's... that like they'll they'll come up with a vaccine and everybody will know to take it and everything will be fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, everything will be fine. Nobody would act like idiots and <laughs> give him platforms to say completely nonsense thing, which in effect killed billions of people. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, the thing I want to drill down is the cheerier thought of the domestic terrorist attack. Apparently. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> of the four, this seems like the most out of left field. Um, it seems like it doesn't seem like a natural event kind of thing. Like the blackouts, not natural, but still like has kind of a natural feel to it. Like this is just like part of everyday life. It's just the nature of the beast, like we said. Yeah. But a domestic nuclear terrorist attack where they blow up like nuclear silos in North Carolina. Um, yep. That's weird. And it's it's especially weird because it's happening in the same place where they live, where Flynn and Burton live, which yep. confused me because I could have sworn in the first episode they said it was Tennessee. And it sounds like Tennessee. Their accent is very Tennessee, but apparently it's North Carolina. So maybe I was wrong. Um, that obviously means that there's a reason that it happens in North Carolina. And there's a reason that right. we're dealing with Flynn and Burton and all that stuff. Like it somehow these people related, right? are yeah. somehow tied into what happens. Yeah. But this is the last part of the jackpot. So it seems weird that the last part is key to what our characters are going through. I don't quite understand why. Do you think in the prime timeline, let's call it the prime timeline, because prime timeline. After, all the, after all, the show is on prime. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> in the prime timeline, do you think it was Flynn, Burton, and this gang of numbnuts that are the domestic terrorists. I think that's where it's heading. I think that's definitely like what we're we're being led towards. Yeah, I think that that is very possible. Well, I thought maybe Flynn is involved or not involved, but at the very least, Burton and his gang of misfits, uh, what we know about them so far really fit the profile of the kind of people who turn into domestic terrorists, right? Yeah, they more often jaded ex-military, poor ex-military or ex-law enforcement. That's very common. Jaded, capable, isolated, very PTSD trained, yeah. disillusioned. Yeah, alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see gritty t- domestic terrorists Burton and the gay. <laughs> I want to see that. I want to flash forward to that. I. I still am putting my money on Connor being really, really important in the prime timeline. I think Connor might be the person who set off the the nuke. Yeah, maybe. maybe. He might have been the one uh, to like say, you know, I, I, I have nothing left to live for. I might as well do this. You know, you guys yeah. can live and I'll blow up North Carolina, apparently. Yeah. Well, if he wants his friends to live, he's going to have to give them hell of a head start. To get <laughs> yeah, the they, need a, they need a lot of lead time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that that really like it, even though I wasn't high on the episode, ending it in that is a good way to end it because it didn't leave me with like, ooh. It is a good <laughs> hook. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, okay, what other stuff you want to talk about? Uh let me think, let me think. We didn't see Corbell at all in this episode. No. Um he seemed to be in a holding pattern, just enjoying his $200,000 a week and just waiting for Jesper to give him more information. He's going to have to wait until the cows come home. <laughs> yeah, because we uh, we didn't see Shirley Ann either. Uh, yep, Fatty Mae. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think yeah, that's no, pretty much it. There, of, was, there wasn't a lot, a lot to this episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the flash forward, the, well, not roughly, the, the next time on. Next time on. Apparently, we're getting introduced to a brand new character named Bob, who is somehow really, really important. He walks away from explosions or something. <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting a lot of flashbacks to Aelita and the B-girl, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, yeah, the, let's call her Nicolas Cage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We also saw a flash to that 
upside down pyramid thing again. Right. That's obviously part of the flashback with Aelita is that we're going to see her infiltrate that room and learn about the upside down pyramid and whatever it is. Uh, yeah. yeah. And apparently they were lovers, which not a surprise. Oh, really? That's what it looked like to me. Like the way that the oh. way that it was framed and everything really like felt like they were intimate. Huh. Huh. I yeah, I guess I wasn't paying close attention to this. Next well, week maybe on. it was just my fantasy. I don't know. Like, I'm just, <laughs> just, that's how I saw it. And maybe that's just how I wanted to see it. <laughs> um, OK, well, uh, while, when you get to editing this episode, I'm, I'm going to be watching the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't edit in too much weird background noises this time. Uh, oh, uh, shout out to Linda who wrote in that she did hear the thunder that we were talking about. Oh, right, she, yeah. she thought we have edited in more weird sounds again, <laughs> like we did with the fan fiction writers. Um, <laughs> thanks for writing. <laughs> I I presume Linda is just me from a stub. <laughs> because Linda is what my high school bullies used to call me because, you know, kids are terribly creative. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously though, thanks for writing in and thanks for listening <laughs> yeah definitely um, and if you do want to write in uh, you can reach us at the streaming heap at outload.com and of course as always leave us some reviews um, if you're so willing it really helps with the discovery if you say something really clever maybe we'll read it <laughs> like on air, doesn't I really mean, <laughs> doesn't really have to be that clever. Um, anyway, so I think that's it for this week, Eric. Yeah, I think so. I think we're good. I'm more excited think, about next week because it yes. looks like next episode is going to be more interesting. I think they got most of the exposition out of the way, so maybe we can get more plot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this was, you know, we're at the halfway point of the show. They had to give us a lot of information, so they just ripped the Band-Aid off, put it all in one episode, and I think going forward, we'll get back to the quality of the first three episodes. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, I'll message you in about an hour and tell you whether or not it was good. <laughs> and I'll tell you to go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, until next time, I've been Lynn, and this has been The Streaming Heap. And I've been Eric, and life is but a stream. Goodbye. Goodbye. Irishman get bitten by a radio radioactive <laughs> Irish person. Starts throwing potatoes at people. <laughs> That's too far. <laughs> While we're making gross noises, I think I'll blow my nose. I mean, this thing has a mute button, but I wouldn't want to spoil it for you, you know, deprive you of this sound. <laughs> if you edit it in again, I'm going to fly over to America and put your house <laughs> <laughs> Let's see that that'd be a good use of the fire starter. <laughs> Me trying to promote a soft reboot of the show. And what do you do at the end of what will be the very first episode to, ideal to introduce to new <laughs> listeners? <laughs> Added in a sound of you blowing your nose at the end of it for some inexplicable reason. <laughs> Gotta keep people's expectations low. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, you completely hey. clipped out again after. Are you still there?
Yeah, I'm still here. Can you okay. hear me good? Yeah, I got I got you now. So after you said cucky, everything just stopped. 